0: You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food & Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe, Alex's Chicken and Mushroom Marsala. We've discussed this before, but I really hate cooking anything twice. I know what an awful shame this is, falling upon gasp-worthy, decadent, and even flawless recipes, broadcasting their merits across the web, then filing them away only to never speak of them again. But I'm going to have to insist that you do not judge me for this. After all, what would the Smitten Kitchen be without my impatience for the next new thing? Nevertheless, there are certain recipes that Alex less appalled with the concept of having to eat anything twice in two whole years, frequently and politely requests that I make again. And what do I do? Do I tie on my apron, pour him a drink, and say, Of course, honey, anything for you, baby. You're the love of my life, baby. No, I suggest that he make it himself. So without further ado, this is the dish that will heretoforth be known as Alex's Chicken Marsala. And this is what you need to know about it. It is all about the mushrooms. The buttery, marsala mushrooms are mind-bogglingly delicious. You won't believe the flavor they can extract from so few ingredients and in such a reasonable amount of time. This is as good as any time for me to sing the praises of the humble white button mushroom, which get upstaged a lot these days by fancier heirloom and wild varieties. And although I have room in my fun- funky or er, fungi heart for each <laughs> and all types, I maintain that you can extract every bit of complex flavor from a white button mushroom as you can from a crimini or a shiitake. It is all about knowing how to cook them. And this, my friends, is an excellent place to start. Or have someone start for you while you sit on the sofa, drink your wine and play Scrabulous. Same difference, right? Here's the recipe for Chicken and Mushroom Marsala, adapted barely from Gourmet of June of 1995. This serves six. You'll need three whole boneless chicken breasts with skin, that's about two and a half pounds, halved. You're going to need one and a half tablespoons of olive oil, three and a half tablespoons of unsalted butter, one onion, halved and sliced thin. 3 quarter pound of mushrooms sliced thin, any variety you like, 1 half cup of dry marsala, 1 cup of chicken broth, 2 tablespoons of minced fresh parsley leaves, optional for garnish. You're going to pat the chicken dry and season with salt and pepper. In a large heavy skillet, heat the oil and one and a half tablespoons of butter over moderately high heat until hot but not smoking and brown the chicken in two batches transferring with tongs to a large plate as they're browned. Discard all but one tablespoon of fat from the skillet and saute the onions and mushrooms, stirring occasionally until liquid mushrooms that the mushrooms give off is evaporated. Add marsala and cook the mixture, stirring until the marsala is almost evaporated. Add broth and chicken with any juices that have accumulated on the plate and simmer turning the chicken once until cooked through about 15 minutes transfer the chicken with tongs to a platter next you're gonna simmer the mushroom sauce until the liquid is reduced to about a half a cup remove skillet from the heat and stir in the remaining two tablespoons of butter and salt and pepper to taste stirring until the butter is just incorporated spoon the mushroom sauce around the chicken and sprinkle with parsley so new note Uh, Tonight I made this with boneless, skinless chicken thighs, and it was fantastic and quick with refreshingly few ingredients. This takes well under an hour to cook and deserves to be placed back in the weeknight rotation. Next recipe is for chickpea and kale shakshuka. The fact that it's taken me almost 10 years to find a new version of shakshuka to fuss over is as much a testament to the superbness of the classic as it is a compliment to these new additions. Shakshuka, if you're unfamiliar with it, is a North African dish, largely Tunisian, of eggs baked in a spicy tomato sauce. It's also one of the most beloved recipes in the Smitten Kitchen archives, right up there with broccoli slaw and my mom's apple cake and for good reason. It's about the highest calling of eggs for dinner I have found and I think we know how hard I've studied this category. This recipe takes it a step further into the realm of a stew with chickpeas and kale and comes from a wonderful book out this past spring, Family by Hetty McKinnon. McKinnon got her start in Sydney, Australia almost 10 years ago with a salad delivery service that she ran out of her home kitchen and biked the deliveries around town, which sounds amazing right now, doesn't it? Now in Brooklyn, she co-founded Neighborhood Studio, a communal cooking space. Family, her third cookbook, focuses on vegetarian comfort food with an eye towards the daily ritual of cooking, however your family might look, and it might be my favorite yet. It's incredibly down-to-earth about weeknight cooking. You get the same sense that these recipes that have really worked for her family while keeping the people who cook from finding it a drag. I've made the spinach and halloumi gosleme. pardon me if I mispronounced, the cacio e pepe broccoli with white beans. I mean, talk about all of my favorite foods in one title. I'm eager to try the tofu larb but this this is the dish that I've now made three times since May and I don't expect to stop anytime soon it's hearty and comforting so perfect for this first day that really feels like fall so here's the recipe chickpea and kale shakshuka serves four to six takes 45 minutes source family new vegetarian comfort food to nourish every day by Hetty McKinnon Make the stew portion whenever time permits. I would even expect it to freeze well and then rewarm it on the stove and drop in eggs closer to when you're ready to eat it. I've omitted the oven step in this recipe because I found mostly by forgetting to read the recipe that it cooks just fine on the stove. Here's the recipe. You're gonna need olive oil, one medium yellow onion finely chopped, two garlic cloves finely minced, 1 teaspoon of ground cumin, 1 teaspoon of ground coriander, 1 half of a jalapeno pepper, de seeded and finely chopped, kosher salt and black pepper, 2 15 ounce cans of cooked chickpeas, drained and rinsed, about 3 12 cups, 15 ounce can of crushed tomatoes, 1 3 quarters cups, 1 half cup of vegetable broth or stock, 4 ounces of kale, stems removed, I used a package from the salad greens section. One cup of feta crumbled, four to six large eggs. Uh, This recipe is shown with six. One tablespoon of za'atar, handful of mint leaves chopped and toasted pita wedges to serve. This is optional. Dollops of plain Greek yogurt to serve, also optional. In a large deep frying pan or a low Dutch oven, casserole dish, whatever. Heat a glug one to two tablespoons of olive oil over medium heat and once hot add the onion, garlic, spices, and jalapeno and cook for four to five minutes until translucent. Add the tomatoes, stock, and chickpeas plus one teaspoon of kosher salt and several grinds of black pepper. Stir to combine, bringing the mixture to a simmer lowering the heat if necessary to keep it from bubbling too hard. Cover with a lid and cook for five to seven minutes until the sauce has thickened slightly. Add kale and cover again, cooking until the greens have wilted about two to four minutes. Adjust your seasoning if needed. Make wells for the eggs and break an egg into each. Sprinkle the eggs with additional salt and pepper and the whole dish with feta. Cover and simmer for 6 to 10 minutes until the whites are set but the yolks are runny. To serve, you're going to drizzle with olive oil, sprinkle with za'atar and mint, and serve with pita wedges and plain yogurt if you wish. The tricky pot, trickiest part of any baked egg dish is getting the eggs exactly right, neither undercooked or hard boiled. I vote for checking them as often as needed and rotating the pan as needed to avoid a hot spot ruining a single egg. Most importantly, ask yourself, am I eating this as the the second it comes off the stove, or 10 or even 20 minutes later? If so, you can take them off ever so wiggly in the whites, because they will continue to set as the pan rests. Our next recipe, also involving chickpea, I'm on a chickpea trend today, uh, crisp chickpeas with herbs and garlic yogurt. We have all been lying to you about crispy chickpeas. I'm sorry, it wasn't very cool of us. I include myself. I've been telling you for years that you can crisp chickpeas in the oven, and you can, you really can, but it's not the whole story. The whole story is that you can get them crunchy in the oven, but they also dry out a bit and the texture isn't half as good as the more lightweight, nuanced crisp you get from frying them on the stove. I've always known this, but who wants to deep fry? Not most of us and certainly on a random Tuesday it sounds like a project It must use a ton of oil It feels a bit heavy for lunch but what if none of this is true either one day earlier this summer I wanted crispy chickpeas and I didn't want to crank up the oven for 35 to 40 minutes to make it happen instead I heated a few tablespoons of oil tablespoon more if that I find then I find that roasting them requires in a small frying pan and it took all of 10 minutes to get them perfect, crispy with shattery edges but still soft inside. I drained them briefly on a paper towel, coated them with salt, pepper and lemon zest and then I added a little more oil to the pan and fried some thinly sliced zucchini until it was brown in spots. On a plate I stirred together some plain yogurt, finely grated garlic, lemon juice and salt, I layered the zucchini on top and half the chickpeas on top of that. I finished the whole thing with red pepper flakes, fresh herbs, and more lemon juice. And I don't know that I haven't made a more perfect plate of food since. Nutty chickpeas, almost sweet brown zucchini, cold garlicky yogurt, with an intense tomb-like vibe, all together in each forkful is more complexity than I'd ever hope to find in a plate of beans and yogurt. I made it again the next day, frying more zucchini and using the second half of the fried chickpeas and I plan to repeat it all fall and winter with other vegetables that I can single out in a pan like eggplant, thinly sliced peppers perhaps even some winter squash. I'm envisioning a future where I sit down to stunning plated lunches I've made just for me because I'm worth it but that's just early September ambition talking let me daydream, okay? Here is the recipe crisp chickpeas with herbs and garlic yogurt. Serves one, takes 20 minutes, source Smitten Kitchen. Note, this makes enough chickpeas for two servings, if you'd like. One 15 ounce can of chickpeas, drained and rinsed. One small garlic clove, minced or microplaned. One half cup of plain yogurt. Salt and red pepper flakes. Olive oil, half a large lemon, one small zucchini, that's about six ounces, thinly sliced, handful of chopped fresh mint, oregano, basil, parsley, or a mix thereof. You're going to spread the chickpeas out in a single layer on a paper towel or two and roll around to pat them dry. Leave them there until you're until you fry them. Stir together the garlic, yogurt and a couple pinches of salt on a plate until mixed and then spread to cover most of the bottom of a plate. Heat a scant four tablespoons of olive oil in a medium-large nonstick skillet over medium-high heat. Add chickpeas and cook, stirring to ensure they color evenly until golden and crispy about 10 minutes. They're going to crackle and pop as they fry. Be careful to use a splatter screen if you have one use a slotted spoon and transfer the chickpeas to paper towels to drain briefly and then season well while still very hot with finely grated lemon zest fine sea salt and pepper flakes add another tablespoon or so of oil if you need the pan um, if it's needed in the pan and then you warm again over medium-high add the zucchini you will not fit it all in one layer and that is fine just leave it there until browned underneath a few minutes Then turn in sections repeating the don't move until brown pause until the zucchini is tender and browned in spots season well with salt and pepper slide the zucchini onto the prepared yogurt cut the zested lemon half into two wedges drizzle hot zucchini with juice from one of the wedges place the second on the side of the plate for serving sprinkle half the chickpeas on top of the zucchini save the second half of the chickpeas for next time and then finish with a small drizzle of olive oil and fresh herbs eat right away speaking of eggplant we've got a recipe for eggplant involtini it makes no sense at all but for most of this past winter I craved eggplant parmesan I tried to tell myself that we were half a year to eggplant season and would I prefer some cabbage or turnip parmesan instead? I would not. I made it a few times, I ordered it at a few others, I finally got it out of my system and then in the past month I've seen real after TikTok for eggplant involtini and the magical combination of silky eggplant, tomato sauce and sharp melty cheese's hold over me has returned at least this time my craving has seasonal compliance I've always struggled a little bit with eggplant parmesan as a recipe however there's so much work involved flour eggs breadcrumbs frying just to bury the whole thing in sauce and cheese eradicating the hot hard-worn crisp the quick to sog breading becomes additional heaviness in a dish that needs no help with it but Involtini which translates as rolls and is sometimes called eggplant rollatini is really summer weight eggplant parmesan. It's absolutely fuss-free and weeknight friendly and also gluten-free. You cut two big eggplants into planks and either grill them or roast them until browned. Make an easy mixture of three types of cheese, put a dollop in each roll it up and cook it in homemade sauce uh, mine my recipe is a cinch or you can use store-bought no judgment for extra decadence you could finish it with mozzarella and parm on the top to melt into a cheesy lasagna like boiled cap but I left it off and it was exactly the level of decadence that I craved so I made it again the week after and then the week after that <laughs> I hope you find it just as repetition worthy Here's the recipe. Eggplant in Voltini. Serves four, time, one hour. Source, Spitten Kitchen, but inspired to, to by Alexandra Cooks. From Alexandra Stafford, who I hope you follow, as you will be so inspired to. I ended up adding lemon zest to the filling and finishing the dish with lemon juice. I absolutely love it here, but if you're not into lemon, you can skip it. If you don't want to make the sauce, you can use three cups of prepared sauce instead. I bake the eggplant in two cups and use the last one cup for serving. You'll need two medium eggplants, about one pound each or two pounds total, olive oil for brushing, one 28 ounce canned whole or crushed tomatoes, three cloves of garlic minced, kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper, red pepper flakes to taste, one half teaspoon of dried oregano, one cup of ricotta, four ounces of coarsely grated mozzarella cheese, one half cup of parmesan cheese divided, finely grated zest and juice from half a lemon, and fresh basil leaves for serving. Prepare the eggplant. If you're roasting your eggplant, heat your oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit Line two large baking sheets with parchment paper if you're roasting the eggplant or for general ease if you're grilling. Cut the tops off the eggplant and cut into generous one-quarter inch thick slices. Arrange in one layer on baking sheets. Brush lightly with olive oil and season well with salt and pepper. Flip the slices and repeat on the second side. To roast we're going to transfer to the oven and cook for 10 to 12 minutes on the first side and then flip each slice and roast for another 8 to 10 on the second until browned on each side. As far as grilling if you're gonna do that instead you grill over robust heat until dark marks appear on each side about eight minutes for the first side and five minutes for the second. For both methods set the eggplant aside to cool If your oven isn't already heated to 425 degrees, do so now. So while the eggplant cools, make the sauce. You're going to heat two tablespoons of olive oil in a 11 to 12 inch pot over medium. Add minced garlic, one teaspoon kosher salt, and a pinch or three of red pepper flakes, and dried oregano. Cook for one minute. Add tomatoes, it will splatter, be careful, and stir. Cook at a simmer for 10 minutes, stirring occasionally. While it simmers, assemble your eggplant rolls. When the sauce is done, taste and add more seasoning as needed. If you'd like it smoother, you can blend to your desired consistency. This yields three cups of sauce. Um, Before assembling, you're going to ladle out one cup of sauce and set it aside for serving. If your pan that you made the sauce in is oven proof, you're good to go. If it's not, transfer all but one cup of reserve sauce to a two-quart baking dish. Then you're going to assemble the involtini. In a bowl, combine the ricotta, mozzarella, one-quarter cup parmesan, lemon zest, about one-half teaspoon salt, and a few grinds of black pepper. Place about one tablespoon at the end of each full-size slice of cooked eggplant, a little less on the small ones using all of the filling and then roll into a cigar. Place each roll in prepared sauce with the seam side down. Then you're gonna bake. You're gonna brush the tops of the eggplant rolls lightly with olive oil and bake uncovered approximately 30 minutes until bubbly around the edges and browned on top. Squeeze lemon juice over the top and scatter with basil leaves before serving. Serve hot with reserved sauce and additional grated Parmesan cheese if desired on the side. Alright, we're gonna have time for at least one more recipe. That might be it. Um, this is from Eating Well Walnut Pesto Pasta Salad. Doesn't that sound great? This cold pesto pasta salad will cool you off on a summer day. Fresh tomatoes and roasted red peppers add a pop of bright color and juiciness here but any of your favorite pasta salad veggies like blanched broccoli and fresh bell peppers would be delicious too prep time 30 minutes total time 30 minutes serves eight the yield eight cups ingredients one pound of whole wheat penne or rotini pasta two cups of lightly packed fresh basil leaves plus more for garnish 1 half cup of lightly packed flat leaf parsley leaves, 1 half cup of chopped walnuts, toasted, 1 half cup of grated Parmesan cheese, 1 clove of garlic, grated, 1 tablespoon of lemon juice, 1 teaspoon salt, 1 quarter tablespoon of ground pepper. That's an interesting measurement. I have not heard that and makes me wonder if it's a quarter teaspoon. So, do the pepper to taste one half cup of extra virgin olive oil, one medium tomato chopped and one half cup of chopped, jarred red roasted peppers rinsed. First you're going to bring a large pot of water to boil over high heat and cook the pasta according to the package directions. Drain and rinse with cold water. Meanwhile combine the parsley, basil and walnuts, parmesan, garlic, lemon juice, salt and pepper in a food processor pulse, scraping down the sides as necessary until finely chopped. With the motor running, slowly drizzle in the oil. Transfer the pesto to a large bowl and add the pasta, tomato and peppers, and toss to coat. Top with more basil if desired. Tips as far as making ahead, you can refrigerate the pesto for up to one day. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller.